0: Welcome back to Black Women Voices. You're tuned in to Season 2, Episode 12. And on this show, we're talking with four incredible Black women who lead Black cultural centers in higher education. Welcome to Episode 12 of Black Women Voices. This episode, we are joined by some of the leading ladies, I'll say, in the Black Cultural Center and Black uh, Studies work, so today we're going to be talking about not only the work that, that, that we do, because that's my work too, but also um, kind of the impact of what's happening now in the world and, and really how we are working with students in our, in our various um, roles, and then also supporting ourselves in the process. So welcome to the show, ladies. Yes, welcome. Yes. If you could introduce yourself briefly. And tell us who you are, where you are, what you do, and then we'll jump right into the questions after that. Um, so my name is Sean Simon. I work at East Carolina University, um, where I serve as the associate director uh, for the Donya Right Cultural Center.
1: Um, hi, my name is Brandi Stone. I'm the director of African American Student Services and the special advisor to the president on African American affairs.
0: Hi, I am Monica Johnson. I'm the University Director for Diversity Education and Cross-Cultural Engagement, as well as the Director of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center at Indiana University Bloomington. And also for fun, I am a co-chair for the National Conference on Race and Ethnicity in American Higher Education, also known as NCORE.
2: Hello, my name is Kimberly York. I am the Interim Director at Black Uh, for Black programs at New Mexico State University. Um, I am also the founder and president of Sohu Enterprises, which is a nonprofit organization aimed at creating a healthy balance between service and self-care. And I'm a doctoral student at Grand Canyon University. (laughs) Whoop, whoop, shout out to Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) And so I will actually jump it off with the questions,
0: if that's okay. And so, I want to start off by really talking about how the role of Black women in diversity, equity, and inclusion and inclusive spaces have been amplified during this time of pandemic. And then on top of that, racial unrest, which low-key in my mind, we've always had the racial unrest, but now I feel like it's amplified. And so looking for your thoughts. If it's okay, I can... I can jump in on that. This is Monica. So black women have always been um, the barometer of social conscience and social change in higher education, I believe. Uh, what is it? Laurie Patton Davis called us the canaries in the minefield. Yes. Um, um, not the minefield, the mine. But it has been interesting to see higher education institutions call upon Um, the folks that, and as a black woman in this space and have occupied this space now at three different institutions, to see administrators call on people that often get overlooked, um, under-resourced and under-supported to be the ones not only to tell the administration how they should be responding to things, Mm -hmm. um, but also to be called upon to go and act as overseer, um, specifically for students and younger Black professionals. And in Black culture centers where um, women in these spaces will often be seen as mothers, um, the first director of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center at Indiana University, this is back, what, 1971, was Carmel Russell, and they called her mother culture. So all the black women who have come after that have been compared back to her as a mother. And literally, they believe, when I say they, I'm thinking, I'm saying administratively, that any student who decides to speak their mind in any form, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, in the campus, that people can call you, and you're supposed to go down and get those children together. Um, or yes. be the one to tell them that it's not that bad, or teach them how to protest. Um, and I know we're on a podcast, so people don't see me using my good air quotes. I've been using Your this good air quotes, quote, my good air quote, how to protest or how to not be angry when they they talk about the ways in which they have been mishandled and misheard by institutions. Um, so. It has been very interesting in this time to see how people have attempted within the institution to utilize me, other Black women, other women of color, um, to be not only the barometer, the conscience, and the fixers in this space. Um, Knowing that we are not getting extra kudos, we aren't getting promoted, we aren't becoming... um, The new VPs of whatever it is they would like to, you know, put on the end of the title of VP, Um, but we are the ones that are literally latching all of this stress and struggle onto our backs and carrying it through pandemic. So doing all of this via Zoom and over the phone, Um, but that's what I'm going to say. I'm a Hirsch, but (laughs) (laughs) y'all can tell I got feelings about this, but I'm a Hirsch. Oh, you, you are spot on the money with that. the The feeling of having to carry um, institutions on your back, um, the feeling of them just discovering that something's been a problem that you've been yelling about for years. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. This whole uh, <laughs> this whole con- like storm uh, has been infuriating. Of not only COVID. Um, but them paying attention to George Floyd like Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey didn't happen either like oh yeah so these protests happened so now we're gonna pay attention yo you you what where was you are are we living in the same like space are we getting the same news like where have you been and not only just all of that in far in as so far as having to gather students they want you to gather the staff as well and I'm like listen. I am the associate director. I am not the executive director. I am not the vice president. That's not. That's not supposed to be the lifting that I'm supposed to be doing. That is not what I signed up for. That is not the stress that needs to be added to me. Um, and also, this is all being done while we're also living through this. It's like no one takes that into account. I'm like, I've had family members die from COVID, and you want me to still pretend like I want to be on this Zoom call with you. While you want to talk about a party that we're not about to do. Like, we're not about to have any of these opening events. Stop playing. So can you get off my good phone call so I can grieve and talk to my family? So it's just, I'm skipping ahead questions. I'm sorry. But that's, that's, listen, Monica started it. So (laughs) I am right there with you in that (laughs) feeling of. She got you fired up. (laughs) She did. She did, and it doesn't take much. I'm a Capricorn, so you know. But you said something very um, on point. Is that they're bringing us around all this conversation in terms of racial injustice, but we live in it. This is this. We I've been doing this all the years of my life, right? And now all of a sudden, because everyone has been at home, you have time to see what's really going on in the world. And now you want to come up and be allies and all this other stuff. But you forget, we we still have to live in it. So when you, as someone who's non-Black, ask me, Dr. K, how are you doing, you know, with everything that's going on? Don't ask me that. You
2: should already know how
0: I'm doing. You know, so it, yeah, let me not get fired up either. Go ahead. No, Dr. K, it's okay. Because I, I think that it's such a worthy, um, I think not just worthy, but at some point we need to be fired up.
3: Well, that's change though. The best change and the change that's really happened. That's really moved. The movement is when you do get fired up. I think, you know, we've looked at those posts to talk about those happy, healthy people. Y'all know the, the post that I'm talking about, mm. but the truth of the matter is that it's our anger, that righteous anger You know, y'all know the, or, you know, eloquent rage, as, you know, Brittany talks about, um, Dr. Cooper talks about, like, that's what we can use to really move things. But I think you also said something, too, that really, how do you show, that made me think, when you have those layers upon layers of, um, you're also Black, you're also dealing with COVID, you're also cultural center, you don't stop being your identity just because you are in this role as the cultural center director, right? So like, how do you do it? How do you show up? What, what is it? Is it a, is it a being Mary Jane kind of post-it note situation where you have to have this talking to myself moment? Like, what does this look like so that you can go um, and kind of be equipped for this type of warfare? Because I feel like we need to call it what it is, In these spaces, these spaces weren't created for our humanity Um, and it still continues to traumatize us. So what does that look like? How do you show up every day? What do you do to remain some type of wholeness within that?
1: Um, If I could start, I'll just be brief, but I think one of the things that has been challenging is that um, for those that have worked in student have worked their way up in student affairs. That has been the culture, right? Like 24 hour service, seven days a week. Um, I will answer your call at 1am. And so for me, it has been really hard to like unthink those habits that I've been trained to do since I was a work study at 18 years old. And, um, and so I, I think at one point I had a like break, I had a breakdown where I was like, do I want my staff to feel the way that I do, like always on edge, high anxiety all the time, because like, I'm constantly thinking of the next thing. Um, and so I have tried to be very intentional about like monitoring my staff's annual leave hours and like, Hey, it looks like you haven't taken leave in a while. Why don't you take leave this week? It isn't, like, you know, so I've tried to intentionally make sure that like, are you taking breaks at home? Like, don't sit at your computer all day long. Like, um, and I, and again, like I'm saying all of the things that I'm doing for others and not for myself. So I think I need like a person to check on me. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because you know i am oh, sorry you can't keep pouring and because you get to a point where you're pouring from an empty cup and as black women we see the cup is empty and we look over you know and see somebody needs help we know we empty and we still go over there
3: well and the institution expects that like let's have that conversation they don't have to do it because they know oh well you know, we we know Valerie's gonna do it. We know, you know, you know Monica's gonna do it. We know, Anne's gonna, like they know that. But we also recognize that if we don't, our students are not going to be supported. So not only is it catch twenty two, it is a, you know, darn if I do, Dan, if I do, it, like it's a situ- It's a double bind,
0: as we talk about, right? It's also a really cool thing, though. Um, so for me, I have a background in housing, um, which ooh, that's a whole nother conversation. Um so my background is in housing and the last housing environment I was in um was really kind of a bad mental space for me um so I ended up having to take some time um therapist recommended time um and it was right after opening and I felt so guilty like I felt so guilty that I had to go tell my staff like hey like I legitimately have to take this time like it's, 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 this is where I'm at. And I was like crying because I was like, yo, I, I'm not going to be here. And I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, and they, and the response I got back for them from them was, well, you tell us to take time for ourselves. You make us take time for ourselves. So we're going to do the same thing for you. So if you're still here, cause I was supposed to do half days. If you're still here after one o'clock, we're kicking you out of your office. And they legitimately did. And I think the fact that I showed them care, they were able to reciprocate it for me, was like one of the most beautiful things ever. Um, Because it showed that I had modeled it well, that they were able to then force me to, to take my own advice. So that was really cool. But to go back to your earlier point, Dr. Valerie, about how do we show up in those spaces? I, for me in the back in May, when all this was raining down, I basically was at the point where I was like, yo, when do we get to be vulnerable? Like white women get to be vulnerable all the time. They break down in tears and the world stops. It literally stops, which is so annoying. The world stops for them. But when do we get that time? When do we get to have that space I literally broke down in a staff meeting and was like, yo, I need y'all to recognize that I'm not superhuman. Like all of this is happening and you're wanting me to be there for everybody else, but I have nothing left to give you. And none of you are making sure that I'm okay. Like y'all just pretending like I'm not black. I'm not gay. (laughs) I'm not down here in the South with COVID away from my family. Like, completely alone and cut off. Y'all are just thinking that she's good. And so I think sometimes you have to demand the space for vulnerability. And that was a really, like, I'm listening. I don't share my life, my personal. So for me to have to be like, yo, I need y'all to recognize that I'm human. Especially because I'm a black woman and we don't do that. (laughs) We What? You're human? No, we, like Dr. K said, we will make a dollar out of 15 cents we will feed a family with two loaves of bread and one fish so <laughs> so the fact that you have to demand that is in and of itself heartbreaking but it's also necessary because we also have to change the narrative around them thinking that we're somehow superhuman that our pain is our pain tolerance is exorbitant or whatever the case may be so for me that's kind of kind of been the lesson i've taken away from this is to remind them that like yo you ain't the only one in this and you need to think beyond yourself
2: okay the therapist is here no (laughs) no but but seriously look at your neighbor and say self-care is not selfish like seriously and 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 so i think that um that is my platform just everything that you all are saying I mean I've been a therapist over 20 years and I created the nonprofit that I have just because of that reason everything that you all have talked about you know taking care of everybody we go above and beyond but we don't we it, we feel guilty about taking care of ourselves and it gets to a point where you become bitter after a while You know what I mean? And I think that you all also hit on something that was extremely important. When I first came, when I became in the role of interim director, you know, everything was, I I came into a position that was already chaotic, internal uh, chaos within my own program. And so, you know, trying to do damage control with that on top of, like you said, wait a minute we've been dealing with this like forever this is not just because you all been sitting at home like you said and self-quarantine and then shut down like this is our lived experiences and so when the president called on me you know for us to have a, a campus-wide dialogue i just said flat out i said listen uh, just because i'm black doesn't mean that I'm okay I'm I'm dealing with this too I'm I am and just because I am the director of black programs doesn't mean that I have all of the answers and I don't and I'm not going to expect myself to take on that false burden Now if you all want to me to come and help you do your own internal departmental work, I'll help you but you're not gonna I, I just and and again for me, been through it, you know, over 20 years of always constantly putting myself first. And then I had to, you know, come to terms with my own, you know, trauma around, you know, all of these triggers because I lost my son to social injustice. And so if you can imagine that now, you know, it's I'm being triggered now because it's all front and center all all over again. And in Las Cruces, I represent less than 2% of the population as a black person so that in and of itself yeah it it's 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 deep but then also i think the other part of it is not being forced to jump and not being forced to overdo things just because the heat of the moment is now and everybody is protesting everybody is and they expect you to be jumping like fire and it's like first of all hold up my contract ended on may 15th so i'm here volunteering (laughs) let's 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 keep this all in perspective my contract right you know my my other contract ended on may 15th so in the midst of all of this i'm still i'm volunteering you know what i mean my 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 official contract as interim started july 1 right (laughs) so from may to june 30th i was volunteering And so I had to make sure that I put some parameters for myself about what I am going to do, what I'm not going to do. And then even coming into the role, you know, the students expecting, you know, you need to be out here doing this. You know, we need, I need this, we need. And I'm just like, I still need orientation. I still need, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I have not been doing a whole lot and I don't feel, sometimes I feel guilty about it, but at the same time, I'm like, I haven't gotten what I needed to be an official in this role. So I'm not going to continue to just put myself out there and be taken, allowing myself to be taken advantage of. And I, I do the research that I need to do. And I take it to, you know, when departments reach out to me, can you help us? And I say, listen, I'm not doing the checkbox thing. I'm not here to appease your checkbox. And I've just been having upfront very Blunt conversations about that. Like if this is a commitment, a long term commitment that you all are making, I will help you. But if you can't tell me, don't come to me. Housing asked me to do some training for their staff, for their students, their RAs. And my question to them was, what have you done with your staff? Because you can't bypass the staff. <laughs> and and jump straight to the students. That that's all wrong. All oh, you preaching, wrong. Tonight. You're preaching yeah, tonight, you preaching? tonight. you are. And let me just say, <laughs> yo, there's gas not fire, yo. <laughs> for real. No, it took it took losing my son to get to this. I'm just being honest. Like I was never the one to rock the boat and all of that. And my philosophy now is the worst. You can do is fire me. That's the. That's how <laughs> That's the That's how I feel. That, I I feel. You know, and, and I was the second vice president of Zoniana County NAACP. I have left there too because they need to do their work too. You know what I mean? Because when I'm telling you that, you know, students are complaining that, you know, as the NAACP, I, at 50, I'm the youngest member of the chapter, and you all are out there having a visible presence, but I am, and you're taking credit for everything that I'm doing. But then when I'm telling you that, I have a problem, not just as an officer of this, you know, organization, but as a mother who has lost her son to social injustice. And you tell me, I just want to be the center of attention. What? (laughs) Let me remind you, you, you don't sign a paycheck for anything that I do. And then you want to sit down and have a conversation with me. Uh, I gave you five minutes that, I've resigned effectively. Oh no, no, That's not where we were going with this. You don't get to dictate. <laughs> what? Wow, come on. So I'm I, I'm saying this to say to you all, like you cannot, we cannot keep doing this to ourselves. We can't. And we have to be okay. And, and, and again, I'm preaching to the choir because some days I feel guilty too, about not doing so much. And I'm like, dad, the students need this, the students, this. but I'm like, and I still need my orientation. <laughs> I still need what I need to be effective in my job. So I'm not about to bypass anymore, bypass what I need to be effective just to appease you, to say, oh, I'm still on the bandwagon of doing the protest and doing all of this. Again, still unraveling all the chaos that I inherited. On top of that, I just found out I am the first ever black, um, first woman ever director in this, in this program. Wow. First female ever, ever. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, congratulations. I, I think yeah. that that, you know, that's rare. Female first. And
0: yeah. I mean, oftentimes, well, it's not not necessarily in the black cultural center space because black women and other mothering has been a legacy a legacy but i will say in when you look at the academic side of the house those academic programs a lot of those are steeped in shall i say male patriarchy but you know it is what it is right and misogyny, misogyny okay say okay monica go ahead patriarchy is sweet misogyny yeah. is the word okay black thank male
3: you Noir for black men
0: hmm Co-opted opportunities to potentially usurp white male power. Like let's let's be honest, the 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 assailing or the maligning of black women at the. Let me fix myself. Come on. There have within within our community, our black community, I feel the right to talk about my people because I'm a part of my people, right? Come on. Come on. There have been several African American black identified male folks who have risen on the literal backs at Mm. the literal expense of Mm. black women who have done the work that they published and got paid for
1: come on monica was it you at the last conference that said the mediocre well-dressed black man
0: well-dressed mediocre Ah, black ah, men Well-dressed, and I will say it, I I will say it until I am blue at the face, well-dressed mediocre Black men have succeeded on my back for far too long, and I love my community. I love my siblings, however they identify by gender, but at the end of the day, it Mm. is a damn shame how much Black women have given to the institutions. To every time you have a program. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary. If you go down through the names of people who got who got recognized, there were equal amounts male, female, non-binary identified, equal amounts, names that we called all the way down to housekeepers who people from generations would actually say were the folks who told them which classes to take which teachers to stay away from what residence halls to go to what what financial aid folks to go see but when we talk about the pillars of our communities we don't mention our siblings names these women's names and i'm sick of it i'm sick because as long as i allow people to deny the legacy of the women who have marched and walked in the foremothers then I give them the right to continue to deny mine, and I'm not gonna do that no more. I'm tired. Mm, cool. That's I'm that, literally tired. Listen, the yeah. worst I, I can do is fire you. Let me take it off. <laughs> okay. like, you the know, the only thing is, it's done so much through history, and white people started first, and black men picked up on it. it was like, oh, this sounds like a good diss track, and they have, they have. Run the gamut with it. Like, even when you think about how we teach black history, we teach about Malcolm X, mm-hmm. we teach about Martin Luther King, we teach about Frederick Douglass. We don't talk about his wife who mm-hmm. held it down. Okay, we don't talk about her. We talk about W.E.B. Du Bois, we talk about um, Rosa. No, we barely we, talk about her, we but we don't talk her. about Ida B. Wells, we don't talk about Mary McLeod Bethune, we don't talk, Ella we don't Baker, talk about these, but Anna Julia Cooper. Talk about Bieber. 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 We we don't mention the fact that Fannie Lou. F- f- I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes, we do not mention these women we who literally legacy. We say black right. history. Like Malcolm X even quoted Fannie Lou. So you mean to tell me the rest of you folks can't? Like come on. Yeah. Like and it's just steeped in misogyny, and then depending on your religion, let's. Well, you know what? That might be a different phone call. Let me go ahead and stop. So. Let me say this real quick. And I'm going to say it on the podcast so so we can hold ourselves accountable. We need to do this live. You hear me? Because I'm listening. And I'm going to be. So, Sean, you talked about vulnerability. And one of the undertones of every conversation that we've had in this season, I ask for it to have a sense of vulnerability in it, that we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, So, that's a God thing right there for you to say that. And then talking about, um, Kimberly, you were talking about boundaries and black women and how we need to create those. And then hearing how passionate each and every one of you are about the work that you do and how you show up as a black woman. Literally, I have tears in my eyes right now because more black women need to hear this that are not hearing this. More black women, the reason why we started this podcast is because we knew that there were millions of black women feeling the way we do and had no one to talk to and so this conversation alone is just a staple in in our podcast history, in my opinion, because one, I think this is probably one of the most that we've had on the call um, but just just the passion, the love that I can hear in each and every one of your voices. This needs to be where many, many, many black women can hear it. So I just want to insert that in the podcast before I forget.
2: Well, so and yeah, I, oh, sorry.
0: Well, and I, I also think that
3: folks need to know that A, it's not okay, and B, that there are other people who are experiencing it too, right? I mean, because bell hooks talks about home plate, like home places and like what it can be and what these groups and movements can serve for folks to see themselves. To, you know, I remember looking for people. I remember working in multicultural affairs and I was and I didn't know I was hired to be the black person. And I remember the director calling me in. He said, listen, I hired. He said, I'm sure your resume is great. I hired you to specifically worked for the black students. If they succeed. You succeed. But if they fail. That's on you. And he was probably. Wait, he said that to you. your face? Yes he did. I was in his office. straight face? Straight face. And he was. He was. He was a black man. He was oh. like. Bill Clark. On lean on me. Mm-hmm. He was the worst. Most toxic supervisor. I have had in my entire life. That man did damage. Real damage to me. Um, and everyone knew it and they guarded him and they protected him as a black man. But as a black woman, as a black woman who was a bigger black woman, because there was also a size issue that he struggled with as well, they there was no protection. And so I think something else that I was hearing in you all's statements was that there's so much that you do to protect your students, but I'm not really hearing that same type of protection of folks you know, around protecting you and the roles that you do. So then where do you find your support? Where do you find that, you know, people who are going to hold you down
0: within that? Oh. oh, go ahead, Monica. I'm sorry. We just started raising <laughs> our hands on this just so we know we're going to jump in. You know, this, it, it, it's so interesting how the, the conversation has grown from today. And I can't tell you how many times I have been, in a collection of Black women who have given and given and given until the only option was to have some sort of um, a psychological reset or break moment, and have to come back and and renegotiate or reframe or relearn um, how to exist in these spaces. And for me, that moment literally happened. Um, Last year during Black History Month, which I also I'll tell people that for someone who directs a Black Culture Center is like the Super Bowl of blackness. The Super um, Duper all, Bowl, right? It's happening national championship today. It's like um, how much can you do with Olympics? two uh, dollars? two whole dollars, right? While everybody is off work at a certain time, and the students ain't got no money. All the all of this. So for me. Last year was a very difficult year. I began moving into this university diversity education role. And for Martin Luther King Day that year, I was planning a privilege simulator so that we can have an in-depth conversation about privilege that allowed people to step outside of their defense mechanism and actually talk about what privilege means for them individually, right? The school published a memo, they sent it out, to the news articles. And um, as soon as it hit, I started getting emails from random news outlets I've never heard of, like Campus Reform, Breitbart, you see where this is going. Um, (laughs) I started receiving things that administrators were forwarding to me. Now, these are people who have um, VP titles throughout the institution. Um, were sending me like if an alum would write into the school and tell the school that they were upset that this black girl is not actually just telling the black people they should be thankful that the standards were lowered enough for them to be able to attend this institution. And, and so instead of taking that, it came into your department telling this person, thank you for your time. Don't thank you for your message, whatever message you wanted to tell them, they were forwarding me, these emails, and it was okay to them to be sending me these emails. We started getting threatening messages. There were threats on the actual Breitbart article. They were posting my picture, the address to the center. It was to the point that I had to be walked to my car for three weeks by the police department. I had to put in a security protocol at my child's school. And there were people within the institution because, you know, when you work at the Black Culture Center, everybody in the school thinks they own you and and can tell you how your center is supposed to be run. There were people who were confused as to why I would be impacted psychologically by the fact that I had to go to a daycare center for a one-year-old and have a conversation about what it would look like if I was potentially followed to the parking lot. Folks didn't get it. They 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 literally did not know. So I was like, I need, I need to talk to somebody. Me and my husband was in the house. He was like, yeah, girl, you probably need to talk to somebody. So I get the counseling session, and I'm sitting in there with the counselor, and I'm going through, like, my whole trajectory toward being in higher education. And this woman, black woman, looks at me and says, so you know you ain't got no boundaries, right? And I looked at that woman like she had seven eyes. I was confused as to what the hell she was talking about. (laughs) This was the first time anybody had ever told me that I didn't have boundaries because I had been conditioned. Come on. Conditioned to not believe my phone could be turned off. Conditioned to not think that even if all hell broke loose, it was supposed to be me to let the institution know that they were supposed to be caring about these kids that I see as my kids. I was conditioned to give of myself to the ninth degree. Mm. From st- I started working in alumni relations, went to admissions, then to multicultural affairs. Ain't nowhere that I was able to own myself or my time from 2005 to present. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: And to be sitting in a counseling session at 37 to be told for the first time, that I have no boundaries. It was like the world stopped. And then to try and teach myself boundaries has been the most painful process.
2: Because this this work
0: has been interchanged for my own self-worth because that was the point. That was the point. Back to the social construction of how black women were used in slavery. Two, I know I talked about it before we started recording. The Atlanta Compromise. How Booker T. Washington suggested that white folks in the world use us.
2: Mm.
0: When he said we would be the same faithful servants that nursed your babies and cared for your mothers and fathers and will walk tear-eyed with them to the grave. We... As a people, Black women, our professional acumen was promised to the society at our expense. Mm. When I say like it's ingrained, it's deep. Yeah. And to think that we would be able to come out of it without the support of each other or without intentionally calling out the BS that has been done to us is asinine. Right. Even in this state. Yo, can we just hold space for Monica and Kimberly cuz like the fact that y'all have to hold so much space for like being mothers mm-hmm. and like having to balance that like that like I literally started crying. Because and there's Brandy no too. way. And yes, I'm sorry. I didn't know I, I mean, yes. uh, any, anybody who has to give to give of themselves to, uh, like in doing webinars, I tell people first. I'm a revolutionary mother and my child ain't been in daycare since March. My husband and I both had COVID in May. Oh gosh. The child did not have COVID. And do you think she cared that we were sick? No, ma'am. Mama, I would like chocolate milk and muffins. I said, I don't feel well. I'm sorry you don't feel well. Can I have chocolate <laughs> milk and muffins? The baby didn't count. Right. There's no day off from parenting. Yeah, there's no, that's, that's... But those are the kids that you chose, right? Your baby... <laughs> yes! Soul, right? right. So when yes. somebody work for says that there's no day off, Right. And they don't even have about, you know, because institutions. And I think that that's the thing about leading a cultural resource center is that institutions institute like that is yeah. what they do. And if we think it is, it is on us, I have my boundary game is strong and I and I had to have it because people will be like, oh, you're not going to work around the clock. Do you work around the clock? Or do you get off at four thirty? Because I want to get off when I need to get off too, right? You telling me that I need to work harder and I need to do more with less, and you get to do less with less. If at all, it is it is actually it's it's hugely demeaning, but it says something. You know, I will say that I do work for an institution that you know our social justice stuff. We 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 all be humping. Everybody humps, right? And so I don't feel like I'm going at it alone, but I, I, I can't say that that is everybody's. It's, it's still a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> that part, right? If, yeah, listen, people, I, if I could just get I always say this. If you pay me for being a, an administrator, a director, a mother, um a reese a scholar, like all the things that you want me to do, pay me individually for each one. I'll take a check for each one. Just one check. I, go ahead, yeah. We can ask more questions. I'm and, not the only one.
3: And how often do we not demand what to what we're worth? <laughs> how you know, often do we not? When you Well so black women don't. You,
0: you can demand it but will they give it to you yeah but to your earlier question about um where are the spaces that you can be vulnerable we have to create those spaces for ourselves so one of the really cool spaces that i discovered other than the BCC group me was the women of color directors group that was on facebook started by ali roman shout out to my grand valley connect um who started that and then it started out as a group me and then when COVID happened, it started to be Zoom calls that were weekly where we would drink and talk about the madness that was happening. And out of that led um, ACPA presentation about superwoman debunking the notion of superwomanhood. And yeah, when I tell you that room was packed and neither one of none of us, because it was me, Catalina... Uh, Davila, Liana, Rice, none of us expected that room to be packed. There were people literally sitting on the floor. So, Dr. K, when you say that we need to have these spaces, we need to have this live, like, that was very much an assertion that that is needed. So, yeah, we sometimes have to create those spaces for each other where we can be vulnerable, but those spaces are so far and few in between. And, um, it's, it's just, yeah, just the whole vulnerability piece, the whole fact that I'm still tripping over Monica's story because, like, right. how you just going forward the emails? Uh-huh. Like, like you don't have a whole-ass PR department that y'all paying good money to. And even if you're small, you still got somebody making them damn videos to and right. running your website. They like, I, I am a PR major. That's what we supposed to do. Like you send that to them and you coordinate with your chief diversity officer, that was never supposed to go to you. Like for one person in your position, you still have to manage on the ground and they manage like, and then on top of the death threats and they didn't see anything, like I'm still tripping off of that. And this is the burnout rate. This is why so many black women are running from this field. My friend was in this field and I call her Moses like Harriet Tubman cuz she be trying so hard to take me to freedom. She's like come on out. It's it's come on out. It's, it's especially considering most of our institutions of higher learning were built on slave plantations are built by slave labor. Come Don't on you out. Not. Don't just start.
1: Don't I think the <laughs> challenge is also um like one not to burn out and then two um in these spaces where we're not regularly where we're not regularly deferred to to not take on these like toxic masculine traits to then like try to get gather respect, um, and so I've seen that from like some individuals, and so like that's something that I'm also trying to be cautious of.
0: Can you speak a little bit more about that? Because I, I think that you know, what does that look like to take on toxic masculine traits? Because I think there are, some of our listeners may not know what that is, or
1: if it's them. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, like, the, um, like, so I think about male supervisors um, and just administrators that I've had who have been just, like, super sexist and rude and, like, um, have yelled at, like, individuals in the room or, like, have talked down to, and it's, like, to assert power, right? Um, And so, and I am always cautious of, and actually my past director is the one who, like, really like instill this in me like be careful not to take on toxic masculine traits in trying to attain power like be authentically you as like a black woman and like be that type of director you don't have to be this like white male uh or like whatever you want to call it maybe like a machismo because in in new mexico we have like this thing called machismo which is like toxic hispanic male masculinity like you don't have to take that on to assert power you can be yourself and be like a good director supervisor whatever role you're in does that kind of help i don't know if that was helpful i think i talked around the circle but like i hope you get where i'm going
0: no i definitely get it i definitely get it
2: yeah so go ahead i'm sorry go ahead I i was just gonna say you know i i and i get now i have tears in my eyes because this has been like i feel like i'm watching the vision that god gave me like unfold right before my eyes of creating SOHO, you know, because after I lost, when when my son died, I didn't have, because I was a therapist, I didn't have a safe space. I didn't have, you know, a place that I could go as a professional to be vulnerable. Like you talk about, Dr. Kate, like I didn't have that. And so what happens is among us, regardless uh, you know, those of us in the help helping professions, you know, we look at other people and we say, "Well, what's wrong with me? Why everybody else seems to be doing it, and and I'm falling apart on the inside?" And it's like, no, that's not. Some of us have become expert mask wearers. You know what I mean? And I think that oftentimes what happens is we then build up a wall not realizing that that wall is locking us in as opposed to helping us to come out and so I'm mm-hmm. I'm eternally grateful for this space because this is why I created created in 2005 the the nonprofit that I created is because there, there is a need for us as women, those of us on the front lines, to have this space because you don't want to be in the same counseling or therapeutic sessions with your students, with your clients. You, you need that space to be you and just to not have to feel like you, I have to keep it all together right now in this moment because all eyes are on me. You know what I mean? We need, we need to be able to take off the cape and we need to just be I I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I feel like a weight has been lifted for me because for so long, you know, I'll be like nobody would get what I'm trying to do or nobody would get the mission, you know, serving others while helping, you know, trying to create a healthy balance. But y'all get it. And I'm so grateful because like when Brandy introduced me to the (laughs) to the group, you know, I was like, this is so overwhelming, you know, reading all this. But this right here. This is, this is where I know I'm supposed to be. And so I'm all for us continuing this, us moving this forward because we need this and we deserve this. I mean, it's not just about, you know, us being, um, you know, venting and not like, no, this is self-care. This is our life work. You know what I mean? And this is us refueling and refilling us. You know what I mean? We all, we, we deserve this. We do, we, we, we need it. (laughs) we we need it and not to talk about you know for me another thing that uh, becomes a burden sometimes is with our students yes we have all this racial stuff we do but some of our students like they just need their butts kicked because they think they're not taking care of what they're supposed to be taking care of and then they want you to go the racial route and yes some of it is but some of it is just In our own community. We just need to deal in truth about some things, you know what I mean, because I don't know about anybody else, but that light skin black, you know, dark skin stuff like that is still very much so prevalent and alive in our community and we don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. So that adds to you know, depending on where you are and what you, you know, again, t- I represent less than 2% of the population here. And then I have in my program students that are biracial or students that are light-skinned being told they don't fit here because they're not black enough. And it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know? So I'm sorry. I got off on. No,
0: that's, this is, this is, this is good. You hear me?
2: Not hear really, me. And,
0: and I'm just thinking about, and I know I have to, um, to to, to move off but I'm just thinking about how many black women this is going to bless Um, and those that are listening to the recording now like if you are not moved by anything that has been said I I'm standing right now in prayer for you because there's some healing that needs to happen if you have not been moved by this moment, there's some real healing that needs to happen. And it's, it's funny how God works, right? And, you know, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but it's funny how God works. And this week for me has just been all over the place. And I, the last thing, uh, a conversation I had with my therapist was about boundaries and to have this conversation. Wow. Full circle. Full yeah. circle. You, you know, make- it's,
3: Thanks. Well, you know, and I think it was Monica, you said something earlier in terms of how we've been socialized in the field as it relates to student affairs or, you know, coming up and you really, you really are socialized that your time does not belong to you, that you don't have the ability to reclaim your time like Auntie Maxine says you can't do that, it's wrong to do that, it's, we don't even, we can't even get to the layer of am I deserving of that? You can't, you can't get to that because we are not even there. We're in the space of, well, you can't get that because that's not what we do. But thinking of the other layer of Blackness and our womanness and how it displaces us in these precarious spaces is dangerous. So I just have some questions then, I guess. And I, Mike, I see your hand too. So if if an if an administration is hearing this, because we understand that oftentimes we're preaching to the choir, or if you're not religious, we are talking to the folks in the room who know. So if an administrator comes in and hears this, what then should what what should they, what should be their takeaway in this? How do they fit? Is it a, and 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 I think we all know when institutions do those band aid fixes. You know, okay, everybody's going to listen to it, have a diversity seminar, you know, shame on you for, you know, singing that song. I'm from Oklahoma. So y'all know when the SAE thing happened, that, I was there when all that happened. So, you know, okay, the diversity workshop, that's what you're going to have to do. But if an institution hears this, okay, congratulations, the DOS has heard this. What can they do? What should they be thinking about as it relates to supporting Us in our in our spaces and our institutions.
2: Go ahead, Sean. I'll go after you. So I'm a big Rihanna fan.
0: Throw it up, throw it up. Mm -hmm. Pay. I'm not going to say it because it's a professional podcast, but mm, pay me. Um, So stop expecting free labor. Stop taking our ideas. Stop taking our warmth and everything that um, that that is warm and vibrant and 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 magical about us and stripping it down and watering it down for you and then not even quoting the source you know where you got it from you hired us Mm -hmm. great but you don't pay us and you hide us in the corner stop doing that If you are truly going to say that this is the life you're about, if you're going to be about that life, then be about that life. Keep that same energy that you had when you were courting us in that interview process as when we get there. There's nothing worse than being sold a bill of goods. Ooh, wait, that's slavery. Let me not do that. one. But being, being told that this is what you are about. And then getting there and realizing that, oops, that was not real gold. That was gold-plated. Like, ain't, Don't nobody want that. So if you are listening to this and you are an administrator, don't, don't lie to me when I come to your institution. Don't, don't lie to me. Be honest so I can make a real-deal decision on do I think I can be an effective change agent or is this too much headache? And if you too much headache, be honest about it and don't waste nobody's time or energy because, frankly... I don't have the time for it, and neither does my paycheck. So that's my biggest thing is pay me. Y'all can pay these athletic directors. They be losing games, so many games, so very many games, but you can't pay the diversity that you say is what make your university great. Okay? Think about that. Priorities. Because your football team
2: sucks in general. So come on priorities. Yes, yes. And and I would I would say I think that, you know, I'm coming into a position there where our university administration is new. And so I can honestly say by Dr. K, I can honestly say that um the one thing that I have appreciated about this administration um, particularly to my bro, I, pro- I a report to the provost now, and she listens. And that is the one thing that I think oftentimes is missing, is that we're not looking for perfect administrators. We're not looking for perfect leadership. We're looking for people who are genuine, genuine. And tell me that you don't know. Tell me that you don't know what to do, and then we can go from there. But don't put on a facade that Um, everything is okay, and that um, just because it's not an issue for you, that it's not an issue, that becomes important uh, as a part of the narrative that needs to be ongoing, but then I also think that it's important, and again, I've been fortunate that um, helping, helping my administrators unpack their privilege, because that's a real thing, and I think that oftentimes, some defenses come up when these kind of conversations come up because people are uncomfortable in their own privilege and not knowing what to do with it and not knowing um what to do with it bottom line and and instead of saying that then it we we get dismissed and downplayed about oh it's not that bad or you know what I mean and I think that and again, but for me right now I'm in a space where one I have set. Boundaries for myself, and again, I, the worst thing you can do is fire me. Um, but I walk away with my integrity intact where, wherever I am, that's just my stance in life right now. But I think that listening and truly not taking it as an attack, but at hearing our lived experiences is, is what I would say, um, to any administrator that's listening to this it's our lived experiences.
0: So, um, two things one, I um, to go off of of what future dr york just said the worst thing they can do is fire me and the reality is i am the work so just because you're not paying me for the work don't mean that i can't pay myself for my own work um and you know i do need my benefit so that's not a that's not a request to be unemployed but it is an undecided I, I want my my sisters to know that as we have been doing this work it shall continue with or without an institution and we just have to be convinced about that in ourselves so that we can stop being fearful about the way um that they have been treating us but i also in in effort to cite our sources one of my good siblings romeo jackson who is at uh the university of nevada in las vegas um they had a a a post on facebook that i am going to read because it really just touched my soul when they said this and they said self-care is not a solution to a toxic racist anti-queer anti-trans and ableist work environment and it's just really strange that y'all think a pizza party and telling your staff that they can leave an hour early on a random friday is going to address systematic oppression and workplace dysfunction also higher education will be like self-care and then expect you to work weekends and nights with no additional pay or time off that is a terrible logic. Definitely. So I just, is, I, just oh, scripture. I just wanted to share what my sibling said because even though we have we have spoken a lot about self-care and the ways that we have shown resistance to actively take care of ourselves, but we also need to be truthful with ourselves and our institutions need to be truthful with themselves. There ain't no amount of self-care going to reinforce and protect me from an institution built on centuries of white supremacy and oppression. And if they want to begin to undo what it what has been done on these campuses, they first have to acknowledge that the oppression, the patriarchy, the white supremacy is literally built into the structural DNA, the structural makeup the limestone, the plaster, the the rock of the institution. If you buy a house and you find out the wires are bad, okay, you don't just plug up new appliances to the old wires because what's going to happen? The house going to catch on fire. And when the house catch on fire, you don't just take out the appliances, leave the bad wire and bring in a new refrigerator. That just don't make stupid sense. <laughs> if you know you got asbestos, what they do, they make you take it out. You can't even wrap it no more. I've been watching a lot of house hunters. I'm trying you, to get you. But you're dealing with people who don't
3: believe that the wiring is bad.
0: They you don't, don't believe, believe it's bad. You're dealing but with, it at this and point. they want to hire you to go and wrap it, and then you become responsible for the li- the wiring not being right. But that's that 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 literally is the problem. Like, and when we talk about paying people what they are worth. You can't sit and tell me that I don't do upper-level administrative, deanship, vice provost, vice president, whatever your your upper echelon titles are. Work if the statements that y'all putting out, I'm editing. You can't tell students Everybody that talks. they don't understand the world. When most of these places, most of these campuses, I'm not specifically talking about mine, but most of these colleges and and universities have released, they have released statements. Usually are copying and pasting from the letters the students have been writing them over the course of the last decade. I know for sure, as an advisor for the Black Student Union, that for the last five years the Black Student Union has listed the things on the campus that need to change. And one of my students, <laughs> we had a town hall and the current president of the Black Student Union, who I do affectionately call my child, they called his name and thought that he was going to be dazed by the stardom of the call. You won't hear with all these PhD students, you just a sophomore. This person's not gonna be, this is then the third. That child cleared his throat and smiled and said to say that I am anything other than frustrated at this point by the fact that the institution has told me things were impossible for two years straight. And then all of a sudden, when we have bad press, here goes bullet number one, two, three, and four, which have now all of a sudden been done overnight. How can I say I'm anything else other than, than frustrated? Yeah. But if you can use us and, and cross over rivers and journey and, and, and boundaries on the backs of our labor, if it's good enough, When you are at rock bottom, I ought to be good enough when it comes time for you to promote me. I ought to be good enough when it comes time for you to review how you pay me and what you pay me for. And if they're not willing to do that work, then how dare they at this point go and pick up Ibram Kende's book and scream it from the mountaintops. I'm so sick of people talking about they're going to be anti-racist. You have picked the book and read it through and now you're pulling on anti-racism as if it's it's the banner. It's your shield against keep being called out for years, decades of systemic inequities, of, of misrepresenting your intentions and taking the work of people of color and passing it off as your own. And now because we have a title for it, it's our get out of jail free card. People are literally using, and I'm I've been, I have said this on several occasions in the last three weeks, people are using Ibram Kende's work as a get out of jail free card they looking at it as if it is new knowledge they are they are pulling him on putting his banner on as if he walks on water as if everything he has said is of his own original content and this is no harm or shame to that brother I, I enjoyed the book I believe what he said is true that policies are not you can't be a little bit racist, either you racist or you anti-racist. If you're going to be anti-racist, you got to be fully anti-racist. I completely agree with all of those things, but there are other scholars who have so eloquently said these things. Mm-hmm. Sister Joy DeGruy talking about post-traumatic slave syndrome. You can't Write articles actively discounting post-traumatic slave syndrome and then come back and say that we in this country are impacted by systems built in slavery. You can't say post-traumatic slave syndrome in real, but everything that makes up the experience of people post-slavery is. These things don't make sense. So if institutions are listening right now and they want to do this work, then they need to be actively about doing it. You need to fire the people who ain't did nothing but been been had offices for decades. Ooh, that, <laughs> the people who ain't the word. That's a whole. You podcast. got you got <laughs> deans. <laughs> you got deans and chairs and, and and faculty members who not only have not done any work, but you have had to hire two, three, and four people, typically from minoritized communities. To come in and make this propped up, non-working person look good. Let's talk about a business model and how that don't make no damn sense. Maybe you could pay the women, the black women, the queer and trans siblings who've been out here on the front lines doing your work. If you stop paying all these people who just showing up and getting a check. So I mean, t- yes, I I'm anybody. mad. Just yes, listen. I, let, she said what she said. Did anybody got now? She goes into space. Listen, I mean, I'm just to have it, and we talked about Fannie Lou Hamer. The piece about Fannie Lou Hamer is that in a movement, she as a woman stood up and basically said, What ain't nobody free till we all free? free. Mm -hmm. and that, and and I will say that that in a lot of ways has been the undoing of black women in higher education because we have been actively making other people be free, and And once they they got free. They gave two hot dams about the people who got them in there. You can't tell me I taught you how to be a better person. I taught you how to stand up. I gave you wisdom when you needed. it. I gave you this when you needed. it. But when it, it came time to promote me, you didn't know. And this is not my story. This is stories I have heard, even like mamas, aunties, cousins. When it came time to promote me, I didn't have the right look. I, my words didn't sound the way you wanted them to sound. And what I was, and Brandy brought this up earlier, having having your previous supervisor say to you, you don't have to change who you are to be in leadership. I've been having active conversations about when I will and when I will not code switch. Cause I'm tired of getting jobs as somebody else. That is tiring as hell to have to show up as this, <laughs> as this modified black woman that I got this interview with. I'm tired of this, to so put on niceties. But it's, it's hard out here for a pimp. I'm sorry. me <laughs> so yeah, switch back. Yes. A quote I saw somewhere, like, I can't remember where I found it, but it's been my new favorite phrase, um, is folks are pretending like black people are the new iPhone, and they just figured out that there was an iOS manual, Um, like, and we supposed to teach it to them, like, we ain't already been here. We ain't been doing tutorials on TikTok. And Instagram and YouTube for you to figure out the figure it out. Um, so that's that's hella frustrating. And I hear you that about that because my I have family members that have literally trained people, and now those people are their supervisors. And it's beyond crazy to watch that, um, and that be a, an ongoing legacy of of working twice as hard in that black tax and it's still not being enough that still isn't enough and you you, yeah it's just that's all i got that i'm not a new iphone and i'm tired of training mofos to get to get what i can get and it's just it's not even a a ego thing well let me not lie it is ego it's a bit of ego but the thought of what am I doing wrong? I got all the credentials you said I had to get. I paid the dues you said I had to pay. I didn't sleep because <laughs> you said I couldn't sleep. I answered all the phone calls, all the emails. I co-switched and curtsied like you asked. And I still wasn't enough. So now that I don't want a curtsy and you find a problem. You had a problem when I was curtsy and when I don't curtsy. You had a problem when we kneeled and when we uh, bust windows. So either way, you're not going to be happy. So at this point... I think it's about doing what's best for me because <laughs> y'all not going to be happy either way. And at this point in this toxic relationship that I've chosen to be in called work because I was not born rich, I am just going to be me. Yes, I make that face. Yes, I was not born rich. And it was a profound disappointment to me. I keep saying that uh, Oprah is my mother and I got dropped off on my mom's doorstep oh look a baby sorry for
1: me I think I've been really blessed um at UNM right now because we have our first um woman president and we have a lot of women administrative leadership right now and so I think you can really feel and see the difference and it means the world to have the text in the middle of the night like hey I know that your student community is going through this but how are you doing so I think um what uh Kimberly had said about like checking in and um, I've really been blessed that like I sometimes I have like triggered Twitter fingers like sometimes I say things that it doesn't sound politically correct in the meeting and folks have been okay with me like saying that and like being authentic and so um, I think for administrators like allow your Black Culture Center directors to be a little bit more authentic don't I think like don't push on them to do the code switching Um, don't push on them to like be the answer for everything and just check on them like behind closed doors or in front of open clo- in open doors. Like, how are you doing? What can I do to support you? Do you need to take some time off as well? Like that um, my boss called me the other day and he was like, you haven't taken any time off this summer. Are you going to take time off? You need to take some time off. If you don't, you need to take it off at the beginning of the fall. And it just felt really like nice because I'm here thinking like, I'm not gonna be able to take any time off this year. I've already, I have 225 hours accrued of annual leave. So, like, in recognizing that and understanding that I need to take a break made me feel like, okay, the university values me. So, um, I just think, like, check on your staff. No,
0: I agree. I, Brian, you take some of that vacation. I Listen, I'll put in vacation in a minute. I'm gonna be gone these days, right? Because I, I and I also think that during, you know, between quarantining COVID and, you know, everything's been going on, we've just been working. And we've been working past our work. So we could be here all night, but it's 8 o'clock our time, 9 o'clock some of y'all's time, probably a little bit earlier somebody else's time. But to I want us to wrap up and, and, and some questions that we ask on the wrap up, I'm going to ask and you can kind of feel free. So um, we like to ask, number one, are there any books that we can add? We have a good reads list for Black Women Voices. Um, and so we ask people if you have books that you read. And we also have a Spotify playlist, which is bomb. So if you have songs or books, feel free to shout those out um, now so that we can add those to our list. Quick question. Are we talking academic books? Or are we talking like just books? Because I'm about question. to add- I'm about to add All About Love from bell hooks. It is an awesome and amazing book and um why y'all thinking I also want to shout out the Smart Brown Girls Book Club if you have not heard about it. Yes. In that book club, I love it. And All About there's a complex theory track. Uh shout out to Julesy who who who, who does this and there there is also um I can't think of the other tra- general track and their general track read is heavy by Kiesi Lehman. And if you've not read that book, listen to it on audible. That's all I'm going to say. Back to me later. You're welcome. All right. Any other books or songs?
1: I don't have a book or song and I definitely don't want to take away from this podcast because I think you all are doing excellent work. But um, I do think if you have an opportunity to do the girl Trek black history bootcamp that focused on 21 days of black women's stories, um, it's a walking meditation so it's a 30 minute uh, pod it, it's 21 days 30 minutes the goal is that they're trying to get black women to exercise and so to be out 30 minutes and put your headphones in and listen to black women share their stories it's just really it was in the middle of like the black lives matter movement jumping off and like trying to figure out like how much how much time and energy am I going to give it really saved me in so many ways of them like talking about these hidden black women's stories of like the cook who cooked for the movement, and like just recognizing that like every space is every space is needed, and that like self care and taking time away from the movement is also just as needed. So, Girl Check Black History Bootcamp, and they're just starting a new one now in August as well. But the Black History Bootcamp is all on Black women's untold stories.
2: Is that a podcast?
1: Yes. Okay. Brandy,
2: thank you for that. We're actually getting ready to launch. I'm actually getting ready to launch Girl Trek on our campus in October. Yeah, that's a powerful movement.
1: Yeah, we have an unofficial chapter at UNM and we're trying to charter it. But um, basically, they just ask that black women get together and walk for 30 minutes a day. And so like, it's super easy, but it is self care. And we do know that like, it is going to reduce our stress and um, get us like some time away from our deaths. So.
0: Anybody else? Any books? Any? Monica, we can't hear you if you're trying to talk. Can y'all hear me now? Yes, ma'am. I I muted because my husband and my, my two-year-old came back in with gifts. He loved me, y'all. He gave me a KitchenAid. I can make all kinds of cooking stuff. Um, my address. <laughs> so, okay, all right. You're going to get a recipe. Piece of paper. With the recipe <laughs> out. <No>. Uh, <laughs> so, Mickey Kendall Hood Feminism. Okay. Me and me and Mickey Kendall been been rocking real tough um, lately, <clears throat> more so because um, as someone who's dissertating, and I am definitely pulling in like Patricia Hill Collins, Black Feminist Thought, um, even bell hooks. Backing back to teaching to Transgress, like those things where I, where I talk about um, how Black women show up in spaces and what um, we have to deal with from society but listening to hood feminism um got me free in a lot of ways um because it allowed me to go back and rethink how i came to see myself as um a black woman as a scholar how i came to understand um how i show up in spaces and and what i deserve and didn't deserve um so I, I'm really thankful for that as far as for songs um, me and Janelle Monet get down real tough um, electric lady that that album with electric lady on it um, really has a lot of a lot of songs that make me feel good um, and and seek me within my womanhood and'm I'm, I'm okay with it I'm not necessarily thinking about um, whether or not I'm in love or or whether or not I'm happy But just just being myself So I really enjoy um, that um, And I also have been getting into Toby Nwigwe a lot <laughs> He <laughs> um, He has a new song called Try Jesus but don't try me Don't try me, try me. <laughs> <laughs> But don't try don't me dance because you're gonna catch these hands now i can't fight for real but you know i know i i got some i got some goons if i need if i need I never to have some i've hmm. never been in a fight but yeah i you know i was in one and i actually didn't know i was in it until i got hit so <laughs> and then i was it took me another 30 minutes to figure out how i actually got in the fight so but yeah so that that's my little crew okay if y'all uh- have this, and you can definitely throw them out Or you can uh, put them in the chat if you like So for me I am all about Black sci-fi because I am such a nerd And we are not often Represented in that sphere So I am living for Children of Blood and Bone I'm trying to wait till I have the time To like really delve into the sequel um, On the Come Up is also a really good one It's a really quick read um, so I'm really into fiction right now because everything is so heavy um, that I like a little bit of escapism. Um, and another really good one is Clap when You Land, um, which is really, really good. It's a little bit of drama, it's a little bit of pettiness, but it's, it's really it's a really good book. And the song that I cannot get out of my hand and I head and I can't pronounce her name correctly, but I want to say fauche and it's deepened um i know you want to go off the deep end like i just look it up trust me you'll thank me later Uh okay it's also a little bit of a um a dmx uh don't push me because i'm close to the edge it's kind of a more feminine version of that so yeah okay i
3: wonder would you like a blade so black like since you like um, black sci-fi like a blade so black it's L.L. McKinney she's she's a black woman and it's basically like Alice in Wonderland meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets um,
0: Charmed yo say less I'm in <laughs> <laughs> say she less has, she has
3: okay, so. I follow her on Twitter she's the bomb
0: Here's the other question, and I can make this the last question, um, because I think we've talked a lot about what this podcast kind of means to to us and just having this conversation in this space. And so I think um, the other question that I will ask is, is there a Black woman that you want to celebrate? Go ahead, Kimberly. You can answer the last question. You don't have
2: to. I'm sorry. I I just wanted to say, um, and I know that everybody probably has already read this, but I think as of late, I have an even greater appreciation for Michelle Obama right now. Um, you know, I, I, she has just openly and publicly acknowledged that she is dealing with depression. Um, and yeah, and because of, you know, you, 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 you know, she talks about in her book and in her documentary about, you know, having to have been perfect for eight straight years, all eyes on you and just not being able to breathe. And she just yesterday or yesterday just acknowledged that, you know, it's just continuously watching the level of unfairness and just, you know, the level of hypocrisy, whereas, you know, in the current administration, but she had to walk a fine line all the time. And it's, it's starting to impact her. And so, you know, I'm grateful always when women are willing to be vulnerable like that, especially for somebody that has been in the stature that she has been in. And I think that it's empowering to other women like us, you know, to say that, you know what, it's okay to say that I'm not okay right now and to be okay, not being okay. Um, and another book, and I haven't read it in a while, but, um, Rachel Hollis is uh, the book, um, she has two of them actually, but one is um, Girl, Wash Your Face is one, and the other one is Stop Apologizing. Um, I I really like her transparency, and um, it's just kind of uplifting for me, but the other thing that I wanted to share with you all, if you all could send me your address, I want to send you something, um, your choice of shirts. That I have a T-shirt line, and this says, "Nope, taking care of me right now." <laughs> or the other one is, "Self-care is not selfish." And so you you are <laughs> doctor. yeah. So so sit, shoot me your shoot me your address. So the other thing that I want to um in, drop, and it's not necessarily a book, but it's my book. It's naps, N-A-P-S. Take one frequently. <laughs> Take some naps. Take some naps. It, you need it. <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> like, doing, I, I've been taking some sweet naps during
0: quarantine.
2: Y'all know. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, and I have to. Like, I have to recharge. Like, even if it's just for 10 minutes. But, yeah. You, 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 know, I'm you, you talking about have to two hours. do that. Right?
0: <laughs> I'm talking about a real nap. All um, right. black woman that you want to celebrate. Uh, Is it only if I have to? That's fine okay um they both happen to also be on my committee one is dr maria e hamilton abegunde who is a poet a Yoruba priestess a um, master of contemplative study um, and the director of the graduate mentoring center at indiana university bloomington um, and dr tabitha jones jolivet who is, I think the founding director now of Ethnic Studies at Cal Lutheran. Um, I, I'm i so blessed to have them both be a part of my journey toward becoming a doctor. Um, hold on, my child is having a whole moment down here. Maddie, can I have two seconds? Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> my process of becoming a doctor has been, helped by the fact that they've asked me and allowed me to bring my whole self into the writing process. Um, they pushed me to honor um, the ancestors and the women for whom I am writing, the ones whose names I may never know um, and whose struggle I may never be able to outline. Um, and they've they've just allowed me to have so much more humanity than I knew um, I deserved. I was allowed, or I was owed. So um, I'm very thankful to those two sisters for being themselves and for actually encouraging me to be mine. Thank you. Who's next? I'll go. Um, so I, my person is Kimberly Turner, and you may not find her in any history books because she's my mother, and today is her birthday. Happy Um, birthday. Yes, it is my mommy's birthday. birthday. Yes. And um, she is just such a beautiful, hardworking soul. And at 57, she's finally learning to set boundaries. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, my mom is my everything. And while I admire and love Mary McLeod Bethune, my mom taught me the meaning of education and self-love and um the embodiment of perseverance so i'm gonna shout her out over some of the dope ass uh scholars i know because i'm sure some of y'all gonna mention them so but yeah my mom brandy nice. Kimberly. brandy no no go ahead brandy okay.
1: I'm um i'm going to shout out my little sister because she completed high school during this COVID thing Woo! she got a full ride scholarship um on a rotc scholarship for uh, University of New Mexico. So I'm really like excited for her to start college and um, that she's like persevering during this COVID like situation. Awesome.
2: Kimberly? You know, ironically, um, I was just sitting here um, thinking and, and actually Brandy is, is the one that I would like to, um, to shout out to because um, we've, we've shared many spaces, you know, professional spaces and I think that this is the first time that I saw you just be you and just relax and just know that you don't have to um, be on top of your game. You don't have to, you know, um, be all together. And, I, and, I, and I, I appreciate that about you. I appreciate that you um, are taking the time that you need for you in this space. You know what I mean? You're always looking out for so many other people. And I'm just, I'm glad to see you in
1: this space. Oh, that is so awesome. If there's a way to virtually hug, I want to hug you. <laughs> We've not had that before.
2: Never no, have seriously no. because I've been you. I, I've been you, Brandy, and I know how it is to always feel like you have to be on and it has to be just right and just it is it's too much, it's, pr- it's too much pressure. It's too much.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to, well, we want to thank you for taking your time to join us on our podcast. Um, we, we hope that I, I know that the people listening are going to get a lot and I can't wait till we do this live because I can just, it, it's, it's going to be awesome. And, and so I'll say thank you all for being on and we look forward to, to the next time we can gather and have these conversations. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Black Women Voices. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Black Women Voices. Until next time, be blessed, be safe.